the last two weeks, as you may remember, we've been looking at our vision as a church. And to keep our vision very simple, I've said that we've wrapped it around three words, these being reach, renew, and release. And it's always wonderful to look, take time to look at our vision as a church, to see the big picture of who we are, to see what we're involved in together. It's always a great encouragement to do that. And that's what we've been doing over the last few Sundays. Last week, uh, we looked, or, or the, the, uh, two weeks ago, we started out by looking at this word reach and how we work that out together in, our re- in the reach of our lives as we seek practically to fellowship with one another and build our lives together. Our reach happens in and through our fellowship in church on a Sunday, through our connect groups, also in the ministries in which we are a part of. And not forgetting, we have a reach through our lives into the world in which we live. The witness of our lives in our workplaces, in our homes, amongst our friends and family every day. Our reach of life in Christ is expressive in the lives that we live together with one another, but also out there in the world in which we live every day. And then after we looked at how our lives reach out into the world in which we live and in our lives one with another, last week we looked at the word renew in our vision. And we're so blessed in our lives because we get to live this full, renewed life in Christ now. Our lives are continually being renewed in His life, growing and abounding in Him. Our eyes are on Him. Our hearts and our minds and our attitudes are continually being transformed as we live our new life now in Christ Jesus. Last week we looked at various scriptures that exhort us as God's people to throw off and put off the old things that once characterized our lives in order to put on all of the new life that has been provided for us in Christ Jesus. If you missed any of those messages over the last two weeks, you can catch up online and listen to them. I know that they will bless you as you begin to understand the biblical context around those two words within our vision, reach and renew. But this morning, I want to finish up by looking at the word release within our vision as our lives reach out towards one another and the world in which we live, as we live renewed in this new life that Jesus has provided for us to live in every day, the natural follow-on is a Christ-centered desire to release our lives to serve in His kingdom, to serve in His work, and to serve in His church. As a church, we have a desire to see all of the gifts and the talents that God has placed within each and every one of us released. 
And this desire of release is within our vision as a church family. To use our lives to be servant-hearted. As followers of Jesus, we want to release our lives together in service. Because this is the example we see throughout God's Word. On the very first day when the early church was born and emerged, there was an explosion and release of life to live servant-hearted for Christ. Right from the very first day, right from the very first moment of when the early church emerged, there was a great release of life in service for Christ. You'll remember that after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended to heaven, he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. And there they would receive power to be the church that Jesus had promised to build. So these disciples, 120 of them, started to pray. And they waited in an upper room for 50 days. A small upper room contained them as they waited on the promise for the Holy Spirit to come from heaven, to empower them from on high to do what Jesus had called them to do. Then when the day of Pentecost had fully come, suddenly a mighty rushing wind filled the whole house where they were praying and each one of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit and sitting upon their head was a tongue of fire that consumed their lives. We read about that in Acts chapter 2. And as they were all filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2 tells us, that 120 of them just spilled out, burst out onto the streets of Jerusalem, declaring the wonderful works of God in all of the varied languages that were there, represented by all of the different nationalities that had congregated in Jerusalem for Pentecost. And many, it says, supposed that they were drunk, But then Peter stood up and brought correction and direction through proclaiming that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And what men and women were seeing through these disciples was the very fulfillment of Joel's prophecy where he said, I will pour out my spirit on your sons and your daughters. And Peter brought closure to that prophecy when he stood up and proclaimed that it was fulfillment of that very prophecy on that day. And then he called men and women alike to call on the name of Jesus and experience this wonderful immediate miracle of salvation. By the end of the day, 3,000 people had made that decision to call on the name of the Lord openly and encounter Him in salvation. And 3,000 were added. And suddenly the church had been born. Now the headlines of Acts chapter 2 are amazing. So amazing were the events of that day 
in relation to the Holy Spirit being poured out, in relation to Joel's prophecy being fulfilled, in relation to 3,000 men and women calling on the name of the Lord. So amazing are those facts that it's easy sometimes only to concentrate on the first portion and part of the chapter, the outpouring from heaven. However, it's really important not to miss what this wonderful outpouring produced in the hearts of these new believers. Because towards the end of Acts chapter 2, it's noted that all of those brand new believers in Christ who had just received Jesus as their Savior, it's noted that they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. The fruit of receiving the Holy Spirit was the release en masse of a servant heart right at the core and center of these new believers' lives, the early church. They laid their lives down from day one for one another and the world in which they lived. They laid their lives down for the kingdom and the cause of Christ. Listen to Acts chapter 2, reading from verse 41 through to verse 47. It says this, Those who believed what Peter said and were baptized and added to the church that day were about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. Met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All while praising God. And enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The presence and power of the Spirit of God in these believers' lives. Produced a beautiful release of life. A servant-hearted love in these believers' lives. Right at the core, right at the center of their lives. There was a desire to lay their lives down. There was a desire to give their lives in service to the cause of Christ. Through practical care, through practical work and practical action. It didn't take these people... Two or three years to decide as to whether they were going to serve Christ. To whether it was going to work out for them in their commitments, in their social calendar. No, from the moment of receiving Christ, there was a release 
of a servant-hearted spirit right at the center of each new believer, where they wanted to just devote their lives to Jesus, their Savior. They were wholehearted. They were devoted. They were all in with everything that they could bring for the cause of the kingdom. Their devotion began the very moment they started their new life in Christ. It was born in their hearts by the Spirit of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, they learned to serve, to give their lives to Christ in whatever way they could. It mattered not how small their contribution was. They just did it with joy together. They opened their homes. They used their resources to be a blessing. Everything now about their lives was given over to the cause of Jesus. All of their other interests in life suddenly became secondary to their devotion to Jesus and the church. They used their possessions, their resources, their life skills, and their experiences to help one another in building what Jesus had called them to build. And as he, they, as he joined them together, they used their lives with one another to bring about God's will. They weren't just a large crowd of people who came together one day only to break away and scatter after the event had finished. No, their devotion to obey God's word and the apostles' instruction made them the church that Jesus had promised to build. These were devoted-hearted followers of Christ. And in their devotion, they were fulfilling the very words of Jesus when he said in Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through to verse 45, but whoever desires to become great among you, shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. This kind of servant-hearted life was unthinkable to the masses of Jesus' day because everyone desired freedom and no one would ever willingly embrace the life of a bondservant or a slave. A bondservant or slave was the lowest of the low. Yet this servant-hearted spirit became the very hallmark of the early church that was being empowered and given life by the Holy Spirit from heaven. Years after, Acts chapter 2, Paul the Apostle spoke about his life as a servant slave to the church, setting an example as to how we should all live our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1, 
Paul says these words. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. The Greek word that Paul used here for servants is the word huperetes and is used at least 20 times throughout the New Testament. And the word translates as under rower or under oarsman. So verse 4 could read, let a man so consider us as under rowers or under oarsmen for Christ. That's how Paul wanted to be seen. He wanted his life to be known as an under oarsman, an under rower for Christ Jesus his Savior. What Paul was doing here by using this word, huperetes, is he was liking, likening his life in Christ to being like one of the under rowers in the bottom of a Roman warship. All the believers in Corinth saw the Roman warships and other commercial vessels every day in the busy port on the Aegean Sea. They all knew full well that the power of any ship that was in the harbor was dependent on the under oarsmen who served in it. These under rowers were the very ship's engine, powering it to go forward in strength and service. These men lived very humble lives in the belly of the ship, unnoticed by all as they rode to the call of the captain's voice and the beat of his drum. These Roman warships and other trade vessels were usually equipped with up to 150 oarsmen who worked and slept and ate their food at their oars, many of them chained to the oar at which they worked in order to move the ship forward through the sea. They worked through all weathers, fair weather, or through the darkest times of the storm. And this is how Paul pictured his life and the lives of believers who had released their lives to be servant-hearted. Now, one of the reasons that Paul likened his life to an under oarsman is because the Corinthian church had a wrong mentality that Paul was helping to correct. They were putting ministers on pedestals, elevating them up to stardom-like status. So Paul gently corrected their perspective, picturing himself not as a rising star, but as one who lived to serve the purpose of another, as an under rower, not for Rome, but as an under rower, as an under oarsman for Christ Jesus, his Savior. Everyone in Corinth knew what the life of an under rower entailed. They lived and served in the bottom of the boat, in the bottom of the ship, out of sight, Out of mind, 
And Paul wanted the believers at Corinth to understand that being a servant for Christ wasn't about being elevated up onto the top deck, but having a heart to work and serve in any way that Jesus would call any of us to. So the everyday service of an under rower was a perfect picture for Paul to use and liken our lives to as we release them to be servant-hearted for Jesus. Now, there were five qualities, and we're going to look at these five qualities for the remainder of our service this morning. There were five qualities of character that were essential for an under-rower to fulfill in their service to Rome. And these five qualities may describe the reason why Paul used the under-rower as a model to picture his life and our lives with. Firstly, the under-rower on a Roman warship had to keep his eyes on the captain. You know where I'm going to go with this. We have to keep our eyes on the captain. If we are going to release a servant spirit, if we are going to continually work, walk in this servant-hearted walk that we so desire to walk in, we have to keep our eyes always on the captain. In order for the 150 oarsmen to row together in unison, their eyes had to be fixed on the captain. Only as all the oarsmen's eyes were fixed on the captain could they row in time to the beat that the captain set. Just like these under rowers, just like these under oarsmen, in order to live a servant-hearted life, we have to fix our eyes on the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ, and obey the words in Hebrews 12 where it says, Hebrews 12, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, there will always be a wonderful release of service in the church. There will always be a wonderful release of servant-heartedness through our lives. Fix your eyes on Jesus and don't let anything get in between. And you live a life flourishing in service, as you fix your eyes on Him. Just like those 150 under-rowers who fixed their eyes on the captain to respond to his every order, let's always keep our eyes and the gaze of our life on Jesus as He calls us to serve wherever He might lead. So that was one of the first requirements to be an under-rower, was to keep your eyes on the captain. The second quality necessary in an under-rower's life was to work shoulder to shoulder with others by 
his side. All of these oarsmen had to work together. Oftentimes, two, three, or four might sit together as they held on to that 30-foot oar that propelled the boat forward. And they would have to quickly learn that working together was necessary in order to fulfill the purpose of the captain and keep the ship moving forward. They had to coordinate their efforts. They had to work in harmony and unity. One couldn't be pushing and the other pulling. No, their actions had to synchronize together for a higher purpose to be fulfilled. And as they sat together, shoulder to shoulder, and served alongside one another, their strengths complemented one another to serve one purpose, the movement of the ship. The same Spirit must characterize any servant of Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, verse 2 through to verse 4. Then make my joy complete, he says, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's a servant-hearted spirit right there. That's a spirit that says, I'll sit together shoulder to shoulder with a brother or sister in order to, re- to, to achieve a common purpose, the purpose of Christ in our work together. And it's here in this wonderful chapter of Philippians chapter 2 where Paul tells us to have the same attitude, to have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus who emptied himself of all of his divine rights and privileges and made himself to be nothing, taking on the nature of a bond servant. When we, when, 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 when we make that choice to release our lives in service, in God's work, in building the church, we follow the very example of Jesus Christ, who emptied himself who did not take up his rights and his divine privileges, but left them and laid them aside in order to fulfill God's word for his life, taking on sinful flesh. He became a man, and he came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for us. When we release our lives in servant-hearted work within the church, we are walking in the same steps, following the same example as Jesus sets out for us. And I'm so glad to be a part of a church family here where we are not competing one with another. That's not the spirit that's in this church. But we are completing one another as we serve shoulder to shoulder in the work that God has given us to do. You know, if we live just a self-centered life, 
none of our efforts would prosper. We'd all be working against one another. Why can we do the work that we do through this place? It's because we have servant hearts. It's because we serve shoulder to shoulder with one another. And because of that, we're able to do what we do. There's a release of servant-heartedness that builds the church here. The under-rower disciplined his life to keep his eyes on the captain. The under-rower, secondly, worked closely in unity, shoulder to shoulder, with others by his side. Then thirdly, the third quality of an under-rower was that he was submitted to a higher command. Every under-rower had to trust the captain's command. His word, the captain's word, was final. In darkness, when they lived below the decks of the ship, these men had no idea where they were in relation to their destination. They didn't know when they were going to arrive again in harbor. If the captain's beat sped up, their response would be immediate. If the ship was to slow down or even come to a sudden stop, every signal and every order from the captain would immediately be obeyed without objection or question. Because it could be the difference between victory or defeat against an enemy attack or the survival through a storm. Their lives... These under-oarsmen, these under-rowers, their lives were continually submitted to a higher command and a direction that was above their own intuition. It was above their own wants and desires. They submitted their lives to a higher command, the command of the captain. And this for us is a picture of faith, trust, and obedience as every servant of Christ, our lives submit to the higher command of our captain and saviour, Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says, For we live by faith, not by sight. There's times in all of our lives when we don't understand necessarily what's going on. We don't understand what we're going through or what we are facing, but we are able to see beyond what is seen as we place our trust in God's Word, as we submit our lives to the higher command of our Captain and Savior, Jesus. It's our God that makes all things work together for good to those that love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. When we don't understand what we're going through, we trust that God's higher plan for our lives is being worked out. When our lives sometimes, as they do, go in a direction that we feel uncertain about, we trust that God's higher wisdom is going to prevail. We really do. And we place our trust in him, just like the under-rower 
We are submitting to a higher command. Sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we, we, we fail to see how it's being worked out and how our lives are going forward. But we trust Him who works all things together after the counsel of His will. Not our wants or our will. He works all things together after the counsel of His will. And as we trust that, we know that all things will work together for good to those that love God and who are called according to His purpose because we submit our lives. We've chosen to submit and trust our lives to His word. The higher command for our lives. Then the fourth quality in an under Rowe's character was that he was committed for life. These oarsmen that Paul talked about, that the Apostle Paul likened his life to, lived in hard, damp benches lived on hard, damp benches where there was no relief. Day after day, they worked at the oar. They were one with what they were called to do. Committed, committed for life. Theirs was not a calling of comfort. Theirs was a calling of life commitment whether they were comfortable or uncomfortable, whether they knew where they were going or where they were or not. Their life commitment to the cause of Rome was all in with all of their life. And this is the message that Paul wanted to portray to these believers at, Cor at Corinth and on beyond them to us too. This same life commitment Jesus calls for from anyone who would follow him. Listen to Jesus' words. And it's impossible, it's impossible to water these words down. Try as you will, there's no way to water them or dilute them. They are what they are. Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 16 Verse 24 through to verse 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. What a wonderful motivational message for a Monday morning. He wasn't trying to attract the masses. No, he said, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow me, Let him deny himself. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For everyone who would save his life will lose it. But everyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. To release our servant heart. Sacrifices will always have to be made. Denying ourselves and laying down our rights to take up Christ's cross and follow him will inevitably mean that our old life is always at a loss for the sake of Christ. 
But as we lose our old life, that old selfish life with all of its self-interest, as we lose that, as that is crucified, suddenly we will find the most glorious life to live in, the very life of Christ. We will find life as we lose life. And we will live in true service and true fullness of life. Then finally, the fifth notable point of an underrower was that he lived for the honor of another. These oarsmen received no honor. Only the captain was honored and praised by the outside world. These men lived selflessly disregarding their rights for honor. They chose not to have honor, but they honored the one that was above them. They gave their lives to keep the ship moving forwards on their voyage and lived to release that servant heart. We do what we do, not for personal gain or personal honor. We do what we do to honor our Savior, Jesus, who has given his life for us. Think for a few moments, just as we come to a close this morning, about those five qualities in the life of an under oarsman. He kept his eyes, firstly. He kept his eyes on the captain, Jesus. He worked in unity, shoulder to shoulder with others by his side. He lived submitted to a higher command. His commitment to serve was for life. And finally, he lived for the honor of another. All of these wonderful qualities are ours as we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to continually enable us to serve and build church together. I've said it over recent weeks, but I'll say it again. What a joy it is to look over this church and to see it full of people just like the Apostle Paul, under rowers, under oarsmen for Christ, under oarsmen, under rowers, giving their lives in service to Jesus, desiring to build his kingdom, desiring to be his church in a dark world. And together, we find these qualities right throughout our church, right at the core and center of who we are and what we do. And together, I believe we're fulfilling the very words found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, where Peter says, and this is the J.B. Phillips translation, which is a fantastic translation of this verse. Peter says this, 
serve one another with the particular gifts God has given each of you as faithful dispensers of the magnificently varied grace of God. I look over this church and it's wonderful to see people with a servant heart displaying the magnificent varied grace of God through their gifts and through the release of their life in service to Jesus. Do you know we we have over 200 under rowers, over 200 under oarsmen and women serving every week in our church, in our, in our church home here. Over 200 giving their lives in service in one way or another, all to aid the building of the church all to be what Christ has called us to be in Newport as we dispense his light and his love to this world and to this city in which we live. It's wonderful to see the magnificent grace of God being released in all of its many dimensions through each and every life as it seeks to serve and bless Others, I can ask the musicians and singers to come. We're going to close in just a moment. Some of us here this morning, we may still be wondering about how we can contribute into this house. You might have been here just for the first, well, just for a few months. You might have come just for a few weeks. And you've heard about our vision as a church to use our lives to reach out to one another in the world in which we live, to release our lives to be servant-hearted, to live in this new life that Christ has given us. You may be wondering today, Well, how do I get involved? How can I release this magnificent grace gift that God has given me in my new life in Christ? How can I do it? Well, we want to help you, support you in your desire to do that. And on your seat was placed a little card this morning. Do something great, it says on it. It's a wonderful opportunity for your life to shine with the magnificent grace of God given to you in his house with his people and I wanted you to take that card this morning maybe today if you want to fill it in because you desire to serve here within the various ministries that we have You may want to just hand it to the welcome desk at the back. Or you may want to take it home. Don't be pressured. We're not going to pressure anybody to get involved. But we want to give the opportunity because Jesus has called you here in order for his magnificent grace gift to be released 
through you, for it to shine in its fullness and be a blessing. That little card is a practical way in which you can see some of the ministries that are available for you to get involved in. But that little card, as you fill it in and you get involved, I tell you now, the blessing, the blessing behind it, when you release your life to serve shoulder to shoulder alongside another follower of Christ, what a blessing you will be to them and them to you. Amen? Take it today. Maybe you want to fill it in, hand it in, get some more information about where you can be involved, or take it home. Pray over it. Ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you because He has called you here for a purpose. And you are loaded. You are loaded as a result of being in Christ Jesus. You are loaded with gifts and blessings to give out, to pour out through service to others. Amen. I'm going to pray, then we're going to sing. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. What a joy it is to be allowed to serve in your house. It's a privilege that you call us up to, to lay our lives down, to follow you. You walked as a lowly servant, full of joy, full of gladness. You weren't self-centered, but you emptied yourself of any right or privilege that you had in order to take up the plan for your life. You came to our world and you embraced hardship, difficulty, rejection. But in the face of all of those obstacles, you didn't become bitter or hard-hearted. You just continually served and loved and blessed and healed and made whole and enriched wherever you went. You've called each and every one of us to that same walk of life where we can release our lives to be of service in your kingdom. Lord, I pray for your people this morning. I thank you for the 200 or more that we have in this house, devoted hearts, hearts that have released their lives to serve others for many years, not self-centered hearts, but servant hearts. Lord, I thank you for every servant heart that has given so much over the many years throughout all of the seasons of life. Holy Spirit, I pray for strength for them. I pray your grace upon them. I pray that you would enable them even more and that joy would be their portion. And Lord, those among us who are trying to work out how this magnificent grace inside of us is to be released. Lord, would you help us to find our place in the body 
so that we can be a blessing with our lives. Lord, as we just take these little cards today, do something great. And as we flip them over and see all of the wonderful, great opportunities that you have provided in this place for us to serve with our lives. Lord, I pray that you would awaken within us a desire just to pour our lives into the ministries that we have in this place so that we would find fulfillment. This house would grow in its reach and in its release and in its new life that you have destined for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.